Welcome back to the Down to Earth podcast. These days, we live in such a loud and technologically driven world that it often becomes challenging to connect with our higher selves and delve deeper into our purpose and needs. In this episode, we're joined by internationally renowned shaman and best-selling author, Allison Charles, also known as Rockstar Shaman. Allison has had a fascinating journey thus far and transitioned from being a national champion athlete, top radio host, and national daytime television host to align with her true calling as a shaman. Allison has so much valuable ancient sacred wisdom to share with us, and we can't wait to dive deep with her today. Here we go. Welcome to the Down to Earth podcast. We're your hosts, sibling duo, Jonathan and Lorena. In this podcast, we'll be spilling the tea on all things health and wellness related. This podcast is designed to motivate you to take care of your physical, mental, and spiritual health. We'll be bringing on doctors, healers, fitness experts, business leaders, and innovators. Thanks for joining us in our mission of making the world a healthier, happier, and a more down-to-earth place. Here we go. Hey, Allison, how are you doing today? I'm so good. It's nice to connect with you both. Thank you for having me. Of course, it's our pleasure. We're both really big fans of your work, and we're excited to be chatting with you and learning more about you. Yeah, let's do it. I'm an open book, and so I look forward to wherever this ride takes us. <laughs> well, to get started, I'd love to learn a little bit more about your background and your journey and what ultimately propelled you to live this spiritual, fulfilled life. Yes. Okay. So I will just flow. Um, you know, it, it, there is quite a backstory to it, so feel free to pause me or stop me at any time because it's, uh, yeah, it was quite a beautiful mystical spider web to get me to the point that I'm at today. But in essence, I definitely incarnated with this soul mission to be a spiritual teacher and to be a shaman. I incarnated with that truth encoded inside of me. And I do recall times as a young child, uh, very much having my seership. Uh, so along with a lot of different spiritual abilities that I have, my, my ability to be a seer is one of, if not my strongest gifts. And I, I definitely had that fully functioning and, and thriving as a young person, uh, but there did reach a point in time uh, when I was very young that I think on both a subconscious and conscious level, I made a decision to quiet those abilities down and suppress them almost all of the way because, <laughs> you know, anyone who walks a spiritual path and, um, or perhaps devotes themselves as well to shamanism, um, or really any spiritual way of life, uh, th there's a lot that comes with it. And when I was two and a half, being a seer and seeing so much about everyone in my life, I didn't know at the time at that young age how to kind of balance and hold it all. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, there's still aspects of that thing that I just said of balancing and holding it all that I still am continuously learning even to this day. 
but at two and a half, it was, it was too much. And so I turned my gifts down significantly and, you know, I wouldn't change a thing because, you know, I've learned so much in both my pre-awakening life and post-awakening chapters in life. But what happened when I turned those gifts off almost completely is I really got set on a trajectory in life that was filled with a lot of confusion and a lot of pain because I was out of alignment with the truth of who I am and, and the truth for why I incarnated. And so it started to culminate. There's a lot of things I'm skipping over because it would just be, you know, like two hours just to explain this part of it. But one significant um, chapter that really took the pain to the next level was a previous relationship that I was in. You know, there was a lot of karmic ties and a lot of things going on that brought he and I together. But I, that ended up being the catalyst for my awakening was being in that very long term. It was almost uh, two decades long relationship. And I was in tons of denial, almost complete denial about various things about myself, about him, the relationship, earth, life, you know, unseen realms in denial about pretty much all of that. And I was also, you know, in a place in my life where I hadn't cultivated true self-respect, honor, love, uh, all of those things. And that was, that played a huge part in the codependency that I had going on in me that kept me in these cycles of toxicity and dysfunction in this relationship. So it's through that container of the relationship that I ended up having a divine intervention and spiritual awakening moment. And for me, that those two things happened simultaneously. And in that day, my life completely changed. I was led through some shamanic initiations that were, you know, totally unexpected. And one thing that occurred was my clear audience gift came back online and I was able to hear spirit speak to me and guide me through some instructions. And it was in this day that in facing, um, finally being uh, confronted with the truth of the situation of that relationship, the veil of illusion and denial that I had been in got lifted and my egoic shell really got obliterated and it it popped me through a gateway into a new portal of experiencing life and experiencing myself. And the next step through that divine intervention day, um, you know, which was equal parts painful, scary, terrifying, confronting, along with a lot of enlightenment and miracles happening. It was really the full spectrum of, a, of an earthly experience going on. But in the, in the days and weeks that followed that time, I continued to have more realizations and awakenings and more of my gifts came back online. And the next most important step that I chose to take was to surrender. And I finally <laughs> expressed out loud one day um, because I was feeling completely discombobulated, didn't know up from down, everything in my life was changing and I knew I needed support. And it took that kind of initiation for me to finally 
speak to my own soul, speak to great mother earth and great spirit and say, all right, I clearly need support. I clearly need help. I'm ready to get out of my own way. And it was really from that communication of willingness and readiness that everything continued to change and, and still does to this day, because that got me into co-creation with the unseen realms and in co-creation with the, all of the allies in the unseen realms. And it got me into unification with my own soul because the messages I would be sent in terms of what healing practices I should go to um, for the next layer of healing within me or the next shamans or practitioners that I should go to. Uh, every single step that I took and heeding the guidance I was given was, I didn't know it at the time, but it was taking me one step closer to having my true soul calling as a shaman to come back alive. So that's kind of as, as brief as, as I can make it, but it was, I never set out to become a shaman. I simply set out to heal myself because it was very confronting when I realized I was not who I thought I was and I had a lot of work to do. Because one last little side note, and then I'll take a break, is my pre-awakening life, on paper, I looked incredibly successful and incredibly well. I you know, was a two-time national champion athlete. I was a college athlete at the University of Alabama. After that, I was a radio host. I was a division one college host our division one college coach. After that, I was a top rated morning show host at a hip hop station and radio. Then I switched to television and I hosted a national daytime television talk show that was wellness based. And so I, that's where this phrase um, that I coined many years ago, winning but lost came from. I was quote unquote winning uh, in a lot of ways and I was successful on paper and so I was winning, but lost on the inside. On, in, internally, um, there was so much confusion and distortion and misalignment. So thank you for sharing your story. And I'm just curious. So how did this turning point really happen? Because I know you mentioned this one day where you kind of just had that enlightenment, that awakening, but I'm sure there was some work or you knew something on the inside wasn't right. Cause you were in this relationship for so long that you said wasn't serving you. So was there a certain point in time that you can think that you started kind of just seeing messages or, or shifting towards enlightenment? Well, I mean that, so there, there was a thread of a through line because even though at two and a half, I felt for my survival, I needed to make that decision to shut down and almost fully suppress my spiritual abilities. There was the slightest of layer that my soul or my higher self knew to keep alive. And so while I was not fully awakened yet, there was this innate insatiable curiosity that I had my entire life when it came to self-help and metaphysics and spirituality I mean, even when I was the morning show host at a hip hop station for many years, I was always the host that was wanting to bring psychics into the studio. And I did dream analysis for the listeners that would call into the show. And I took online psychic courses and I studied palm reading and numerology and the healing power of colors. And so 
you know, when I look back, it, I really f- am clear that that little last remaining layer of divine truth that was in me was keeping me propelled into that kind of subject matter so that I didn't fully disappear from um, my truth. And so there was that through line. um, But where it got really sticky was that relationship because it was so enmeshed and, and very unhealthy. And there was, you know, so much karmic energy keeping us together. It was truly ended up being ultimately a cycle of insanity, you know, doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting a different result. You know, the suffrage between both of us would only continue to grow, but we just couldn't seem to get out of the cycle of being together, which is why it culminated for me into that divine intervention moment. So while I didn't fully understand that day what was going on. You know, I just knew that my whole life had changed and I I could feel energetically things shifting, but it was so discombobulating. I didn't have a clear finger on like, oh, I'm having a spiritual awakening. But because of my kind of lifelong studies of metaphysics and self-help and spirituality, I think that did ultimately help me through that initial gateway onto the hero's journey because within my psyche and consciousness were all of those studies from all of those years. That's fascinating. And I know that you mentioned that you were getting signs about certain healing practices that you felt were going to really help you through this time and help you learn and grow. I'm curious, what were some of those healing practices that really helped you during that time? Oh my goodness. Honestly, the, the list is, you know, probably hundreds and hundreds of practices deep at this point. Um, one of the initial ones, and perhaps it was, it was practice number one or two that I got, um, guided to my aunt, who's a shaman. Um, she is based in Santa Fe. So she did a remote soul retrieval, uh, shamanic journey for me. And it was in that journey that my core power animal, the black Jaguar presented. And so that was when the power, excuse me, the power animal allies begin to come in right, right away to help support me through that initial time in my life. And I, you know, obviously my, my book animal power is out March, March 1st. So I continue to work with them on a daily basis, but they, they came in first and I was guided to other shamans as well. Um, I always like to honor Sarah Bamford Seidelman. Uh, she's an MD turned shaman uh, based in Minnesota, and she was also a re- really pivotal shamanic practitioner in my journey. Um, and and I, I mean, then there were so many other things outside of shamanism. I I mean, I went to uh, an Austrian world renowned leech therapist, and when I look back. In hindsight, having leech therapy and having leeches placed on my body was a really powerful, um, pivotal time in my life. Those, those leeches ended up being, I mean, I actually talk about them in my animal power book because 
I didn't know it at the time. I, I went in having never seen a leech and, you know, only seeing them in movies. Like I think it's the movie Stand By Me where the boys go in the river and they come out covered in leeches and they're always portrayed as these like, you know, ghastly, gooey, you know, scary creatures. Um, but I was being really called and and I could tell I was supposed to have this work done. And, um, it actually brings up emotion <laughs> talking about leeches still to this day, because they were such teachers of me of, of learning alchemy and how to alchemize fear to love, because I went in really scared of them. And then to sit with this renowned Austrian, uh, therapist and to learn about them and to watch him, place these leeches on me and watch the leeches attach themselves and to watch the biodynamics and, and how they have all these different chambers within them. You know, one chamber extracts your lymph and then another, um, they have like hundreds and hundreds of healing enzymes within them that they then put into your body. And to just be in that process, that couple hour process, and I did it more than one time, watching these creatures so lovingly work in such a sacrificial way to heal me. I did a complete alchemization shift of fearing them to complete reverence and love for them. So, I mean, those are just a couple of examples and truly on a mind and body and spirit and soul level, uh, I, I mean, I've just done countless types of um, methods and rituals and ceremonies throughout the years. That's amazing. And I commend you for being open to trying different things. I think that obviously we all have healing to do, but it's really common for a lot of us to sort of get stuck in our habits and our routines and to, you know, sort of be a little bit closed-minded towards trying new things on the healing journey. Uh, but it is really powerful when we do open ourselves up to trying new things and seeing how we feel during that process. Yeah, I have to say, I, I really attribute my willingness to be led, my willingness to remain in humility, and my willingness to live in complete devotion to the calls and the instructions that I receive from the unseen realms, from Great Mother Earth, from my own soul. Like, if I had to boil it down, that could potentially be the main tip or the main thing that I would share with people. Um, because when you decide to live in total devotion to the instructions of the unseen realms, you truly on a daily and minute by minute basis, do know, do not know you, you don't know where you're going to be guided or led in any capacity. And, uh, yeah, it's it's become you know my my favorite way of life is just being in this total river of surrender and giving myself the liberation that I I Allison don't have to like figure things out. It's like it's not up to my own mind. I I surrender every day into my two main teachers which is where the name rock star shaman comes from rock being great mother earth and star being source consciousness, great spirit. And while it might take some getting used to, because you have to trust and, and there's so much courage and vulnerability that comes with living that way. It ultimately is the most freeing and peaceful way of life in my opinion. Yeah. And I wanted to speak with you about that because a big part of your story 
that you mentioned was that things really started to shift for you once you gave up control. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having this desire to control pretty much every aspect of our lives, you know, as human beings, you know, in some ways is, is often positive because, you know, we might be motivated and have certain goals that we want to attain, but in a lot of ways, it could also get in our way. So why is it so important on the healing journey and on the journey of growth to surrender and just have faith in the process and in mother nature? Oh gosh. So yeah, there's, there's so much that answer. Let me just kind of tune in. Um, there's some things coming in because ultimately it's that way of living, you know, and it makes me reflect back to how before shamanism had a name put to it before shamanism was called shamanism before that shamanism didn't have a name. It didn't have a title. It was just how we lived. It was just the way of life of connecting into the planet that we inhabit and learning how to commune with her and honor her and give offerings to her and receive nourishment and energetic support and messages from her while also committing to evolving and and facing ourselves and 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 just knowing that this is earth school and it's truly about just you know the infinite evolutionary process but also equal parts learning how to connect into all of the the worlds in the in the unseen realms and to learn how to uh, connect in there to be guided because those most powerful divinity filled pure places can lead you. They, they hold within it these utmost higher intelligences that are certainly far beyond the capacities of our ego and, and of just our mind. And so if we choose to remain in those limited states, so, so, such limiting states of only accessing our analytical ability of our brains and never learning how to attune to or cleanse and clear our chakras or learning how to do practices to get in unification with your intelligence and intuition that lives in your heart, or if we never learn what it means to send prayer or um, to have conversations with ascended masters or power animals or your main guardian angel. Um, if you never open yourself up to all of the those worlds and the guidances that live in those worlds, I mean, it's it's like night and day. You know, the one way is just so tiny. It's like smaller than a speck of sand. And then the other way, you open up into truly infinite possibilities. And I personally choose and think opening up into the worlds of infinite possibilities, um, to me, just feels more resonant and feels more aligned. And I will just close in saying again, remember, you know, I know both ways. I I had, you know, many, many years in my pre-awakened life where I know what that limitation feels like. And I know what that um, pain and, and suffering feels like when, you know, you're not truly letting yourself open up into those worlds. And yes, when you open up into the worlds, 
there typically comes a lot of changes, a lot of deep transformations, oftentimes very unexpected, and you have to learn to trust yourself. And when your spiritual abilities come online, you have to learn the responsibilities of having those, um, which takes a lot of practice and a lot of work. But again, I can honestly say and I have felt this way for quite some time when it's, and I don't think I've ever said it out loud in an interview, but when it's my time to go, when it's my time to transition into the other realms, I can honestly say that I have given my all, I have opened myself up over and over and over again as far and wide as possible, that I have faced and and confronted myself as deeply as possible you know when it comes to all of these capacities of the earth walk i am doing it and being it and living it as wild wild wildly and widely and magnificently as i possibly can and for me, there's nothing above being able to say that. I, I'm I'm just giving it my absolute all, you know. Absolutely. And I can see it on your face too, um, which is which is really nice. But so you did mention, right? Like when you were two, you were receiving these messages and calls, and then it took you quite a bit of time to actually really tune into those and really embrace them. So for anyone who's listening, I just can we, do we all have that capability of, you know, what if someone's like, you know, I don't, I don't get any messages. I don't get any, you know, anything from the universe. Are we all receiving them? Or are we just, you know, not opening our eyes to them? I believe that absolutely that every single human being walking this planet has at least one spiritual ability, one spiritual gift. I, I firmly believe that. Um, the, the degree to which you choose to, you know, be open to exploring that and the degree to which you feel comfortable communicating to great spirit, like, hey, I'm in this with you and I'm here to evolve into my grandest capabilities spiritually at the pace that will serve my highest, greatest earthly good and the highest, greatest earthly good of all, you know, perhaps even for your listeners, as they hear me say that, I can pretty much guarantee for some that me just expressing that could evoke some sort of feeling. And so, so yeah, everyone has capabilities and, and abilities spiritually, uh, I just happen to be in complete devotion to it. And there's no separation in my life. Like life is spirituality and it's also being, being here. I'm, I'm very human. I never, uh, deny the human side of me. I embrace human Allison as much as I embrace and honor, uh, shaman Allison, but I, you know, I have my altar and I have my rituals and I have my practices. And so I think if, if someone, if this conversation is resonating with them, but they haven't, you know, fully opened themselves up to it, but they can just feel, because you can feel, if you're really honest with yourself, 
you can feel that deeper place inside of you. You can feel your soul communicating to you. This is where we need to lean in. This is the next step we've got to expand into. But oftentimes people stop there and they just don't heed that guidance. So a next step that I recommend, and I used to do this with people when I lived in New York City for a long time, is I would take them into um, some of my favorite metaphysical shops and just walk with them. And I would follow their intuitive lead and just observe, you know, at that time in their life, what section within these spiritual shops are they being most pulled to? You know, is it the rattles? Is it the Egyptian onks? Um, you know, is it the crystal section? Is it a certain book on um, learning Reiki or whatever? And you just, you have to start somewhere because, you know, universe is really watching. And what I can tell you is when they see you taking some courageous, vulnerable steps forward, it will always be honored back. And so then if you take that first step and lean in somehow, then the next kind of messaging and instruction that comes in, it might be a little louder and clearer and more concrete, but it's a continuous choice that we have, again, to heed those messages. I just happen to be in this rhythm where it's it's just a seamless oneness way of living. When I get instructed something, I do it. And then I get instructed and I do it. And that's my my way of life. And everyone has the ability to, to live that way for sure. But it takes work and it takes um, a conscious choice to do so. And it also takes trust, trusting the messages that you're getting, having that faith, which it sounds super simple, but it could take decades of life experience to actually get to the point in yourself where you, where you trust yourself and where you trust your intuitive reasonings, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Trust is, um, yeah, it's something that's cultivated. It's a bit like uh, a muscle that you have. Um, but, but pretty quickly, um, you know, cause a lot of my instructions I'm given, go against what my ego or my mind might think it wants for me. And a lot of the instructions can feel very illogical to, to the mind. I mean, I remember even when I was given my medicine name, Rockstar Shaman, I mean, there was definite uh, resistance. You know, I, I, I journeyed about it. I consulted my main love and light guide this lifetime about, you know, using that name. And, and I was also instructed, you know, early on to, you know, show up at this, my friend ran a vegan expo in New York city. And I called him one day and I'm like, I'm being given a vision that I'm supposed to have a table at your vegan expo. And he's like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm happy to support you, but you know, what are you doing at your table? And I'm like, I honestly don't know. And what I ended up doing, you know, was, was it really kept my ego in check and kept me humble. I I stood there at this massive expo with a sign that I think it said next level living with Alison Charles and had my old headshot on it from when I used to be a TV host And I had some of my shamanic tools there and some crystals. And I was doing like mini aura readings and having people, I mean, this is so many years ago, this is probably more than a decade ago, you know, before 
this kind of work was more accepted and so many people walking by confused and asking questions. And, you know, I, I mean, I can tell a lot of stories of how I was really told to do things that there were definitely parts within me that I didn't want to do. Another one being after I um, hosted that television talk show, uh, you know, so I've been in the media and entertainment worlds for a long time and a lot of press. And I had my awakening during that time. And then that show wrapped and was no longer. And that was when my friend who owned a, an organic juice company, they were going to open their first brick and mortar store in Soho in New York City. And she said, Allison, I, I was really close friends with her. And she said, you know my product better than anyone. And I know that your show is wrapped. Would you want to manage my juice store? And this might sound like a small example, but for me, it was definitely a rite of passage because you have to remember this is coming from, you know, I've been a hip hop radio host and a, you know, TV talk show host and all of these things. And then I'm, you know, working in this little juice shop every single day, running the cash register, helping people buy juices. And I did that for a couple of years, I think, um, something about that time length. And for me, it was medicine that, that I needed every single day to sit there and to be of service to these patrons, to these customers. Sometimes people would recognize me and, you know, to get that blast of that confusion of like, wait, I thought she used to be a TV host and now she's like working the cash register at a juice shop. But there was something about that chapter in my life that I trusted and I knew I was supposed to sit there every single day and do that work. And I'm so grateful that I did. So I just, I share those stories just as examples because you more than likely will, you know, to get into full alignment of that trust in yourself and the trust of the whispers of the wind and the trust to live in alignment and full surrender to the divine, it takes you on a really, really wild ride, but the, the trust will get cultivated and it's so worth it. And I think a lot of people can really relate, you know, to the example that you gave at the vegan expo where it was humbling and you leaned into the discomfort, right? And you still went along with what you were called to do and that intuition, which I think a lot of people will face an obstacle or have some sort of failure and let that just deter them from what they're called to or their intuition is telling them to pursue. Yeah. You have to just keep remembering, you know, that thing I already touched on that it's being, it's, it's earth school and, and especially over here in the U S and I'm sure other countries too, we just get so brainwashed and like ingrained into our cellular being and brains, like what success is and what it's supposed to look like. And all of these notions of like good, bad, right, wrong, um, you know, being perfect, you know, having people like us, all these pressures. Yeah. It's uh God, I'm so sorry. I lost my train of thought again. I'm so, I've literally never had this happen in an interview. What were we talking oh, that's about? A, that's a great topic actually. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because it is true that, you know, we're taught so many things from a young age and, you know, we're so impressionable when we're young and a lot of the things that we're taught at that period of our life stay with us, even when they're limiting. So how could we work through those limiting beliefs that are instilled on us and sort of open up our horizons on what the world could truly be? 
Oh, goodness. All right. I'm going to tune in. Um, and just side note, I, I've never done an interview on Sundays. That's the information that just came in. And normally this is my day of just like recharging. And I think my system is just a bit dysregulated that I chose to show up in this way and do an interview on a day that I that I always have off. So I think that's what's going on a bit with my... Thanks, uh, Thanks for, for making an exception for us on a Sunday. And honestly, so far you're doing incredibly well and you're sharing so much wisdom with us. So don't worry about it. We're enjoying every minute of it. Now we're going into um, ways that like we can open up beyond like those kind of taught confines of what success is. Is that where we're going? Exactly. Yeah. Like just the the limiting beliefs that are sort of put on us through schooling, through family, through Mm. maybe relationships that we have early in life that sort of change our truths and put us in this fixed mindset of not really opening up to, to other possibilities and how we could overcome that. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's so many examples of this and what I'm about to say, it's not like I'm the first person to say this. It's not a novel concept, but it just happened to be a text that came in this morning, um, to my husband from a family member who had done a heart coherence meditation. And for the first time, um, he really understood, he got the full spiritual download of what our hearts and our heart centers really are. And his reflection was, wow, why aren't we taught this? Why aren't we taught this in school? And if we were, the entire world would be a a different place. And so that's one thing that it makes me think of when you ask that question is just our our school system. And I'm not someone that gets, you know, writes essays and gets into big rants about like, oh, the school system, whatever. Like, you know, I went to public school. I went to college here, um, you know, had a, had a fine time, but we're not taught any spiritual concepts at, at all. We're not taught anything about our inner landscape or doing inner work. Um, It's all about, yeah, feeding external validation is another thing that comes in is, uh, you know, we, we really get kind of in these, these ways um, of being where, and, and oftentimes it's, it's unconscious. We don't even realize that our being, needs this fuel of other people telling us we're good or telling us that we're great or telling us that we're pretty or telling us and receiving from the outside all of this validation. So for me, um, another huge journey that I went on is, you know, just cultivating, uh, you know, truly, if I'm right with myself and if I'm right with God, goddess, then I'm good. And that didn't happen overnight. I definitely had to do a lot of unraveling of, you know, wanting to be liked and and all of these things. But yeah, cultivating inner validation is, is another huge one. And let me think if there's a practice or uh, a step that people can take to kind of open themselves up because another, another thing that's like urging to pop through actually, and this is a newer thing I feel passionate talking about, but I think it's because of the season of life that I'm entering into is, you know, I, I hope to be a mom soon. And, uh, my husband and I bought a home here in Texas and we've spent the past year renovating it. We actually haven't even fully moved into it yet. 
But because of all of these new um, massive passageways that are opening up within me and externally also being reflected in my life, I got to thinking in the last few months about homemakers and homemaking. And another um, big medicine teacher of this, my my grandma, Bernice, who I was so close to all my life, she passed away in just the last couple of months since she was 98. And on her death certificate, her occupation said homemaker. And there was something about, I got a huge medicine blast when I looked at that death certificate and saw homemaker as the occupation. And that has sent me down this beautiful mystical journey of exploring that and pondering why and when did homemaking um, become something that's not the people don't tip are not typically proud of, you know, uh, when on the totem pole, you know, because I can't think of any more important or powerful job being a homemaker. Uh, you know, there's so many things that go into cultivating a true sanctuary of a home where people feel safe and safe to express and, um, that healing and and doing the kind of work that we're talking about can happen in there and, and creating a family if you so choose. And, uh, the, the, the right nurturing environment uh, that is supportive of everyone in that family. I mean, that th- that is like such grand, powerful work. But over here, you know, if you're at a party and people are asking people, oh, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Um, I would venture to guess that the majority of homemakers probably feel at least some layer of shame or embarrassment or just don't feel proud of being able of of saying, you know, I'm a I say at home, I'm a homemaker, I'm a mom or, you know, things like that. And so that's another thing that I'm really currently passionate about exploring within myself and and again with these constructs of like this brainwashing and just how our society deems like what is successful and what's not. I'm really wanting to turn some of that stuff um, on its head and, and make homemaking cool again. But back to a potential practice of opening yourself up because there's so many uh, endless possibilities of these things that we get taught uh, that we can expand past. Let me see if there's a, a practice that one can do. I mean, ultimately, uh, it's taking me back to that heart coherence. And, and, it's, and I love, you know, when people like, to ask me for tips and things like that. They're so simple. The most powerful things we can do are also the most simple. And for me, I tune in and check in with my heart the first thing every single day before I turn on my phone, before I get out of bed, I am laying there. I'm still kind of maybe a quarter in the dream world, but I'm like waking up. And the first thing I do is I attune to my own heart, ask it's how, ask it how it's doing. Ask it if it has anything that it wants me to know. Ask it how it's feeling. Um, and then sometimes I might even ask, you know, what, what can I do for you today that will allow you to feel more joy or more ease, whatever the essence is that I'm, I can really tell that I want more of in my life. And when you are checking in because our heart centers hold the most potent intuition and true divine intelligence. Uh, and so when we're checking in there 
you know, living from that place and letting the intuition and intelligence of our heart fuel and inform our day, that absolutely will start to break you out of the matrix and break you out of these, these small confines of, of limited thinking. Uh, it will, it will, your heart will absolutely guide you and show you the way into the most expansive way of living. And I think that practice that you mentioned is also like the ultimate homemaking, the home of like your body and your being right before you can give to others. You're, you're doing that. You're giving yourself first. Yes. Yeah. It's so important. I, I love, I mean, every single day it's, and again, you know, that sounds like such a small thing to do. Like, oh, you know, before you get out of bed, you ask your heart a couple of questions. But when I tell you the mystical experiences and, you know, feelings that get evoked and insights and awakenings that I have before I even get out of my bed in the morning, quote unquote, just from talking to my heart, uh, it's, it's really astounding. And I love that you connected it back into that homemaking piece. I, that's so beautiful. Yeah. Now, you know, one thing, like you mentioned with the homemakers, people sometimes feel like saying that to others, though, there's some sort of stigma or let's say, you know, you were in a relationship where I'm sure there must've been a little bit of negativity. So how do we still pursue our highest selves and still deal with, you know, sometimes you can't avoid maybe family members or friends that, you know, aren't in alignment with what you're doing. And so do you mean, just want to really make sure I'm clear on the question, if there are friends or family members that have, that just live a totally different way than the spiritual path or are perhaps even confused about who you are and how you live, um, but there are people that you still want in your life, how, how to kind of balance all of that. Is that the question or? Yes, yes exactly. Okay. That people who also, you know, might understand that world as well, but still, you know, maybe approach it more negatively, but, you know, we still want them to be a part of our life, but we have to sort of offset the negativity that comes with them. being. Yeah. You know, it's, it really brings to mind. Um, I think that, yeah, we're now going into one of the most potent portals of this earth experience is exactly this, exactly this dance of honoring ourselves honoring what is in true divine a clear alignment for ourselves and for the way in which we truly feel divinely guided to walk and live and be and express while also learning how to do our best at honoring and holding a space of unconditional love for someone who lives outside of, of that way. I feel like there's something that's trying to come in. Let me just take a moment to see what's trying to enter in here. Well, it's also this, this beautiful dance to, you know, just respecting everyone's earth walk because it became clear to me a long, long time ago that it, it's not necessarily in everyone's highest, greatest earthly good this lifetime to have a spiritual awakening or to 
pivot onto the path of self-realization. You know, there's, there's so much that comes into the makeup of what needs to happen in someone's earth incarnation that overall in the span of their whole, their soul's infinite existence and all the different incarnations, you know, what they might need that will serve their highest, greatest good in the full spectrum of their existence. Perhaps what's best for them this lifetime is experiencing a life that, you know, unfortunately or fortunately is filled with pain emotionally their whole life. Like maybe experiencing that way, this whole incarnation is the precise recipe needed for them next incarnation to, you know, have a whole different experience. And so I just really learned to, to hold and, and honor it all and to allow people, you know, I, I'm in embodiment, you know, I, I, I walk my talk and I'm in embodiment of the things that I teach and being a medicine person. And when you're in embodiment and in integrity with what you believe and teach within your own body, anywhere you go, you just being there is a transmission. You're as, as a medicine person, that medicine is emitting from you, whether you are speaking or not. And so I just give people the grace and freedom to, if they want to lean in to who I am and explore and ask questions, that's great. I am all here for that. But at the same time, I, I've never, you know, been a teacher that imposes things and, Inter intervenes. You know, I, I learned a long time ago when I did deep archetype work that the rescuer is one of my main archetypes. And I really have to watch that. I mean, not as much anymore, but right after my awakening, that was another huge moment for me of really seeing how the rescuer was playing out in my shadow side in that past relationship. The rescuer in me, because all every archetype has light and dark, and I was so pulled over into the shadow side of the rescuer uh, that I became fixated on all of my ex's quote unquote problems, right? All of his addiction issues, all of the things that he needs to work on, all of the things that if he just did them differently, we would be fine. Him, 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 him. And I, that was an unconscious shadow operation that was going on inside of me. Whereas, you know, now I, and that is so disempowering, number one, because I never gave him a chance to unlock the power inside of him because I'm constantly telling him what he should do and how he should do it. It, it gave him no space in his own volition of his own divine free will to access some deeper divinity or healthier parts inside of himself because I was too busy trying to run the show. And so that's just one, you know, one example of, of something that I've learned along the way of just giving people space. And I can tell, you know, if people want to hear from me, I, as a seer, you know, I really see a lot of people's, you know, shadows and just pretty much everything about people. And there are people that come up to me and they want to know that stuff. And then there's people that have been in my life, their whole, my whole entire life that avoid it. 
and they don't want any part in it. And I respect that and honor that. So it's definitely a dance and it's one that's not easy. Um, but there's so much beauty in the whole, the whole holding the whole container of it. There really is. Now I know we've spoken about relationships a little bit and you did mention that you're married now and previously you were in a relationship that seemed pretty toxic. So what, advice would you have, or how were you able to lean into a new relationship and have that blossom when you had that previous experience? Yes. Uh, yes. Wow. Yeah. That one really, that's a big one for me. And truly I did arrive to a place where I was in genuine surrender of accepting that maybe I just wasn't cut out for romantic relationships and partnerships. Like maybe it just wasn't in the cards for me. I hoped that it was, and I felt on a soul level that it was meant for me, but I had had such a rocky road with it. Um, and simultaneously put in so much personal inner work within myself and had grown, um, such a healthy level of self-respect and self-love and honor that I got to a place where I thought, you know what, I, I think it's for me to, to be in sacred union, but if it's not, I'm good with me. I love who I am and I can do this. I can, I can do it on my own. Um, but I put in, because it was something that I did want, I did, I did put in so much work. Um, almost five years of being celibate was one of those things and I didn't know how long I would be celibate for. I just got to a point. Let me give you a little context. So in that previous unhealthy relationship, one thing, huge thing, one of the many things that I realized after that divine intervention was that he was suffering from sex addiction. And then the piece that I had to take responsibility for was the fact that for, you know, over 16 years, I was allowing, you know, my physical vessel to be dishonored and, and, and not held in a truly loving way on a regular basis for almost two decades. And I had to really stop and be like, wow, what is it in me that, that allowed that to, to go on daily for almost 20 years? You know, this is a huge piece. I've got to take a hard, hard stop and fully unravel and get to the root of the root back end of the root of this. If I ever want to experience something different and simultaneously in doing all sorts of other healing practices and that self-respect and love getting cultivated, what ended up happening was even if I got asked on a, on a date, and if I did even say yes to going on that date, I just was not able to be physically intimate with someone if I could tell that they didn't fully respect and value and honor me on a soul level, like, you know, truly on an inner level. And you can, you can tell, like, let's not kid ourselves. If you really want to be able to look and see if someone, you know, what they're wanting to do a dance with you for, you yeah. can tell. And so, yeah, realizing that I could not be physically intimate with someone unless they had a true inner respect for me, uh, set me on a, you know, nearly five straight years of, of being celibate. Um, and there was obviously so much healing in that. I also had to do a lot of womb healing and clearing, 
Um, I, I mean, I, it was, it was probably, you know, like a decade of work where I was consciously single and or celibate, uh, you know, just really putting in the work and what Luke and I, my husband and I are one of the many things we're clear on and how we were so blessed to be able to come together now is he was also putting in the work and, you know, I'm 43 and he's 51 and I'm not saying that you have to get to these ages for it to happen. It can certainly come at a younger age, but for us, you know, we, we both were, had a lot of work to do and we're on the, the healing path for a long time. And he needed to get to a place of true sovereignty within himself. And I needed to do the same. And you know, it's funny because he and I met a long time ago and we were friends for like three and a half or four years. And other people would say throughout that time, like, oh, you and Luke, you guys are a vibe. Like, oh, there's something going on when you're on his podcast. Um, like there's a whole thing going on, but we were not meant to have eyes to see each other in that way because he was also celibate at the time. And there was still too much inner work that we both needed to devote to and heal and transcend and, and clear some things. And when we both arrived to that place, all of a sudden there was a whole new pathway that opened up unexpectedly for us. Um, and we've been in that beautiful river ever since. And it's just been the funnest, most mystical, hilarious ride, making that pivot from friends into this sacred union. Um, so yeah, it's like, again, it's speaking that prayer. If it's something, of course, not everybody wants that. Not everybody needs that for me. I wanted that. I wanted to find my divine partner. I wanted to find someone that I could start a family with. And so I spoke that prayer and, um, opened up, you know, to receive what I needed to do, uh, on a mind, body, spirit level to heal those pieces within me. And it was a shit ton of work. Um, but I did it. And when I arrived to that place of enough completion, uh, so had Luke and, and that's when God got us, brought us together. Thank you for sharing that. And I love that you mentioned that, you know, your ex had this sex addiction. And I think oftentimes we place blame on others or our partners and say, well, this is their fault. This is their fault. But instead you did a lot of the inner self work, the introspection. And you're like, well, yeah, he had this problem, but why did I allow it to go on for so long? And that's what really allowed you to have that ultimate healing. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I love talking about the side of things. Um, it's, it's something that I feel is of utmost importance. It's just being brave enough to, to face ourselves and, like doing shadow work is something that I've taught for many, many years. And I used to have online courses that would take people on guided shamanic journeys into doing shadow work. Uh, because unless it's something that you are willing to open yourself up to, oftentimes, if you, unless you open yourself up to it, oftentimes there are these shadow aspects and behaviors and patterns and what I call, you know, gremlins that just are stuffed in the corners and they're, and they're back there and they're down there. And unless we stop and think, huh, 
is there something that I need to acknowledge about myself? Is there a behavior that I'm doing that's um, harmful or hurtful to myself or other people? Unless we, on a regular basis, are willing to ask these brave questions and get into a comfortable state of then allowing what has been shoved in the dark corner in the back, those little gremlins, allow them the space and grace to then come to the front and to look at them because it's in that work that you realize that stuff really isn't that scary. And it, and it definitely lets go of the hold that it has on you and, and your operating systems in your life when you bring it to the front and you look at it and you, and you ask it questions and you learn to hold and that aspect of you in a healthy way. And it's only from doing that work that you become a fully whole, healthy, integrated being. Because unless you do that, there's all of these aspects that we all have. We all have shadow. Um, so unless you commit to doing that work, there's all of those ways and patterns that are unacknowledged and they're not integrated. They're denied. It's, it's my belief that you just, it's impossible for you to be in your whole divine power unless you bring the shadow work piece into it. And that's what that work is, is, is yeah, facing yourself and asking yourself those hard questions and taking responsibility. Yeah. And I think that's an incredibly important point that you mentioned. And, you know, in general, a lot of times we overlook the relationship that we have with ourselves or just, you know, simply taking time to get to know ourselves better and our limitations and how we feel. And it really is one of the most important relationships that we have. And it's one that's ongoing, right? I mean, even if you do a lot of this inner work, as you continue on your journey and live life, more things will come up and then you'll have to work through those things as well. And that's in a way, even though it's challenging, it's also really beautiful that it's a never ending cycle of growth and development. Yeah, it's really, you know, it, it's my favorite part about this. Um, it's just, yeah, I mean, just always in experience of the mysticism of this of this earth walk. I mean, I, I still, I've been a mystic sage shaman, whatever we want to call it for many, many lifetimes. And I've been doing this work for many, many years this lifetime, but even I'm just now coming out of a season of life of a number of simultaneous or back-to-back -back months of incredible initiations. And I, I mean, I, when I say initiations, I mean, some of, if not the most powerful ones of my entire shamanic walk this lifetime. I had a Kali initiation come in one day, like feeling her fires and being taken to some really potent yet dark visions. And then, you know, consciously being in observance of those visions and, and doing that healthy self-inquiry of like, wow, what, what, what are these visions about? And exploring, um, into that side and, uh, having, you know, some relationships, you know, the container that held those relationships really imploded unexpectedly. And I did not see it coming. And that took me into, you know, a few months of, a lot of incredibly deep work. And, um, yeah, I, I embrace it all. It's, it's, I've definitely just accepted, you know, there, there's no getting it all done. There's no doing it perfectly. It's just truly being, being willing and, 
I'm so grateful, definitely at this point and for a very long time now, I see the beauty in all of it. You know, even when, um, and those are just two examples of the many initiations I had in the last number of months, but even as all of this stuff was happening at the same time and it was so dysregulating and so uncomfortable, honestly, I cannot remember a time this life where I felt more uncomfortable than those months where I was going through all of this. But even in the discomfort, I trusted. And even in the discomfort, there was such beauty and such teachings. When I would peer into the nucleus of that friendship container that imploded, when I would peer into the nucleus of that and start to look at all of the threads of the teachings and what was that person's and what was mine to to do work around and what was going on and just like the exploration the threads of possibilities of the teachings and and what was possible to learn in that implosion where it was so much in there to explore. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love it. And I think it's important too, that while we're doing this work to remind ourselves that, that we're human and to give ourselves grace because we're navigating a lot right now. And I, you know, I think the further along you are on your healing journey, you start to realize that, you know, even this relationship that you had that imploded with a friend, you start to realize that maybe these things are happening for you and not to you. And there's this shift in perspective. Yes. That's another one of the archetypes that I had to do it crap ton of work around was the victim archetype. And yeah. And so with with each of our main archetypes uh, that get revealed when you when you do this kind of work, there's also these different houses that our archetypes live in. And the house, uh, the archetype of the victim that is one of the archetypes I have to watch for myself lives in the high, house of highest potential. I mean, so I that's another one that I have to watch a lot. And I, I very much know, you know, nothing is happening to me. Nothing is trying to take me down everything. I really believe and live in the knowing that everything that comes in is a medicine and everything is a teaching and everything is meant, um, to, to grow me positively. If you just put the work in. Absolutely. And that doesn't mean that everything is going to always be positive. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about incredibly fascinating new book, Animal Power, that you have coming out. And you mentioned your experience with leeches. And so I'd love to learn about your experiences from learning from animals and them. Yes, absolutely. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. So Uh, As I mentioned, uh, when I first started to do shamanic work after my awakening, the black jaguar revealed. And right after that, I had three other supporter power animals to come in to help me in that time of my life. And those three were the deer, the bear, and the frog. And I love to give these as examples because it helps to explain how every single animal embodies different wisdom teachings and messages for us. And so the deer is the path of the heart and the medicine of the heart. And so the deer was coming in, urging me as much as I wanted to just close my heart down, shut it down, not put in the work to heal my heart, probably just stay, you know, single and alone forever. The deer urged me. 
to do all of those years of healing, um, which obviously was so worth it. And then the frog came in to help me do a lot of the emotional healing and clearing, get, get into these those emotional waters because I had been suppressing and denying so much. The floodgates really opened when the veil lifted and the frog was there to help me navigate that. And the frog medicine also was a key reminder for me because it's about taking leaps of faith and the frog only ever leaps forward. It never leaps backwards. And that was a message I really had to hold strong to, especially considering that previous relationship was so long, 16 and a half years of continuously, you know, staying in it, then breaking up, then getting back in it, getting engaged, calling the engagement off, getting back in it. And so having that frog as a reminder of like, we only go forward now was huge key for me. And then the bear, you know, huge saving grace. The bear would come into me, um, come to me in, in meditation and the bear would sit with its back against a really large tree. And it would invite me to sit in its lap and to lean my back against the bear's chest. And so having that stabilizing, grounding support of the bear medicine and learning how to trust, to let go and to be held in the spiritual support of these allies, those were a lot of the main, main medicines that I needed. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, animal power, it's 100 animals to energize your life and awaken your soul. So it obviously features 100 different animals. And one of my other favorite things about the book is that each animal has a full page of incredibly powerful, embodied, vibrant artwork done by an artist named William Santiago, who I always love to speak his name and honor him because um, he actually passed away right upon completing uh, doing all of the, the artwork of the animals for the book. He transitioned to the other realms at only 30 years old. So this book is um, definitely a part of his living legacy, which I'm so honored and grateful for. And so, yeah, the, the one side has the animal artwork and the keywords that the animal represents. I have the book here and I just happened to open to the llama page. So I'll, sh I'll share uh, some of the keywords that llama represents are integration, spiritual calling, wholeness, trustworthiness support, serenity, calmness, and fun. And it's actually funny because as I'm reading those, I'm realizing it's a pretty much the dynamic of our whole conversation are those keywords. And then on the opposite page of the animal and the artwork is a section that says when to work with me, energy medicine, messages, and power practices. So when to work with the llama, when you want to feel a sense of connection, when you want to experience serenity, when you want support, when you need more fun in your life. And then the energy medicine messages are messages that this animal might have for you. And this is where you can start to figure out if an animal's coming to you in your dreams or like in the span of a week, you heard people talking about a llama or you saw a picture of a llama or you got sent a TikTok video of llamas like eight times that week. It's like, hello, okay, a llama's clearly coming into my field for a reason. And you go to Animal Power Book to um, the page and you start to read. Okay, so I'll, I'll pick two of these six messages that Lama has. Um, let's see which ones want to be spoken. Remember, you are not too broken and you are not too wounded to live your grandest dreams. You are already whole and beautiful and you simply need to reconnect back to your personal power. 
Another message, I assist you in bringing spirituality to every aspect of your life, including your career. Division does not serve you, and I help unite your worlds. Um, So each animal has anywhere from like six to 10 messages where you can read them and be like, ah, this is exactly why the llama was showing up. I was supposed to hear that. And then the power practice um, that each animal has is a ritual or ceremony or meditation you can do to deepen your connection. Because I got really known for my work with the power animals. Um, For many years, I've, I've guided literally thousands of people in guided shamanic journeys for them to meet their core power animals or their current helper power animals. And oftentimes people are doing this work for the first time. And the question I would get asked a lot is like, okay, so like I met the macaw or I met the rooster or I met the shark, but now what? And the power practice is part of the answer of the the next step that you can take to learn how to commune with that animal, how to converse with it, um, how to how to deepen your rapport. So those are um, some of the examples of the book, but I'm just, I'm really so honored. Uh, the animals came to me. I flew to Bali to write a different book on surrender. There's a whole story behind that, but the animals came in uh, to that first meditation and when I was in Bali and they were like, that's not the book. And they asked me to co-create this one with them, which I obviously said yes to, worked on it for many, many years. This is probably the most challenging thing I've ever done in my career. But wow, I I was just saying to my husband last night, again, it's not the first time I've said this, but I I was just, because I just got, um, I actually got Animal Power Deck, um, which I know you two are the only ones that can see what I'm holding up in the video right now. But um, I, I just got this and held it for the first time two days ago. And I, it's just very, a very powerful experience for me um, to be able to hold my book and to hold my card deck and to feel how, you know, this living, breathing medicine products and to feel the divinity and to have these wild experiences with these card readings already and to start my day at my altar with my book and I hold it up to my chest and I close my eyes and I ask for the power animal to reveal who most wants to support me that day and I just open intuitively to a page and I have been moved to tears countless times already and I just, you know... I really trust in the divine timing because I always knew I would be an author from the time I was a little girl. And I had meetings for years with literary agents and, you know, publishers, and I just could not get clear on the book. And then I finally thought I got clear, like I said, and flew to Bali to write the surrender book. And then the animals come in and they're like, psych, you know, that's not it. It's this. But And then I worked on it for so many years after the clarity came in, but I, I just know that it all came at the right time because the embodiment that I'm at and all the work that I put in is definitely a huge main piece of what is allowing animal power book and card deck to also be embodied with such divinity and such pure transmission um, and, and medicine it's, it's, yeah, they're, they're really fun and they're beautiful and they're powerful. And I congratulate you on them and I can't wait. Is the deck also coming out on March 1st? It's the book on March 1st and then animal power deck is August 16th. Okay. And what I love about the book too, is like I meant when I was asking you earlier, you know, when some individuals think like, I'm not seeing any messages or I'm not getting any signs, this is the perfect opportunity to just 
open up to a page and see what needs to come through. Exactly. Yeah. They're definitely divination tools. And, um, you know, there's so many different ways to connect with the power animal realm. And I always like to remind people that the animals do like an invitation in. Uh, so if this is speaking to you and if you're newer to this work, I would just recommend, you know, whether in a brief meditation or just any time really just speaking inwardly or out loud to the animals and saying, wow, you know, I would love to unite with you, power animal realm. I would love for you to start to present to me so I can learn how to work with you more. It's just like simply speaking a couple of statements and then just being aware, you know, in your next meditation, um, you might get a vision of an animal coming in, or you might hear in your ear the sound of a certain bird, or you might feel like all of a sudden you're taken into the ocean and um, you feel the presence of a whale, but you maybe you can't see it, but you can feel in whatever way, because everybody's spiritual gifts work differently, um, you know, in terms of clairsentience, clairaudience, clairvoyance. And yeah, so you can um, open up the gateways that way. And also, as I mentioned, they like to come in during dream time a lot. So before you go to bed, you can also open up the invitation and say, um, you know, sacred power animal world, if there is a power animal who wishes to support me, I invite you into my dream time. Please clearly reveal to me. And maybe you keep a little journal at your bedside with a pen and just take note of what comes in. And then you can, yeah, go to the book um, to consult and, and do the deeper exploration as to why it came in. Now, if there is an animal that you've had a fear of, for a long time. And it's not like, well, I don't want to run into a shark. Obviously most people probably don't. Um, but if there's just, it seems like an irrational fear, do you think maybe leaning into that and seeing the greater meaning as to why? Yeah, for sure. I actually had a friend. Um, yeah. When I did a reading that she asked me to do, the shark came in and she was like, no, she was really, really resistant to it. And I'm like, Hey, you know, there, there's, you know, beauty and medicine in every animal, even if they're, you know, feel scary or creepy. And, um, it took her quite a while. Uh, but you know, throughout the years, she definitely grew to have, um, a deeper respect and love and understanding as to why the shark was coming in. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, cause it could be, you know, these allies are so, they love us so much and they're so generous with their teachings. So it could be trying to illuminate one of those shadow aspects or, you know, a fear that you need to transcend or something that could be really invaluable for your pathway moving forward. If you just lean in and ask the animal, um, or explore what that teaching is. Super excited for the book and the, the card deck to come out. Now, you mentioned some great aspect to your routine, uh, you know, opening up a page of your book in the morning and seeing what animal, you know, you're resonating with that day, as well as meditating. Are there any other aspects of your routine that you found to be really healthy and uplifting, whether it be in the morning or, or closing out the day, anything that you found to be particularly helpful? Is this just in general or specifically with the power animals? Um, this could be in general, just anything that you do throughout the day that really helps keep your spirits mm. up. Yeah, that is a really great question, specifically how you just phrase it there and keeping your spirits up. Yeah, I know I'm not alone right now in wanting to cultivate and experience more joy, especially after so many years of doing that shadow work and making sure I'm in integrity and facing, you know, so much about myself. Um, sometimes the spiritual path can 
can have the potential to pull you into a more serious side. So I'm definitely in a time where, uh, yeah, light, more lightheartedness and laughter medicine is for sure welcome. Let me see what wants to come in. Well, the thing that keeps coming in, so I will honor that, um, is actually um, a plant medicine called Kana. It, it's technically a shrub uh, that is from South Africa, and it's um, it's beautiful. It's it's a heart opening medicine. It's very gentle. I mean, I guess, of course, it depends um, on how much you take and where you get it from and, you know, where you get it from, how concentrated it is. Uh, but when taken in what I would deem to be a proper dose, um, it's a very gentle, soothing, heart-expanding uh, medicine that just illuminates so many of those uh, threads of divinity and mysticism and lightheartedness. It just makes you, it can, it can allow you to see things differently. I mean, just the other day I was having a couple of experiences with it where when I looked down at my hands, I saw my hands differently for the first time and it made me stay there. And, and, and it spoke to me um, the medicine was weaving with my hands and it's not, it's not an entheogen. It doesn't, it's, it's not, um, in the same classifications as peyote or ayahuasca. Kana is not that, but I am communing with Kana in such a way that I personally have these types of experiences with it. And I was just able to see the, the more elder medicine woman in my hands. And it was urging me to recognize to, for me to really know, I, I know I'm an ascended master, but it was making me acknowledge that and see that within my hands. And then um, later when I was in the bedroom, just the way the sun was coming in the window and the way it was hitting against the wall, all of a sudden I was receiving all of these messages from Kana through the sun, um, urging me to facilitate uh, ceremonial gatherings where um, I serve her and I and I work with other people um, for them to be able to honor her and and to get to know her spirit as well. So she she wanted to be spoken of today. Wow! Well, thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Yeah, it's been such a beautiful voyage. She started to enter into my experience uh, quite a long time ago and. Yeah, it's 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 beautiful. I I also like to share that I was on the shamanic path for many many years and I and I never worked with any plant medicines and I didn't know if I ever would because that's another it's one of the many misconceptions around shamans and shamanism especially over here in the US. Um there are a lot of people that think that it's an automatic equation that shaman equals plant medicine and serving, you know, um ayahuasca and things like that. And that's not, that's not true. That's not the case. I mean, in some cases it is, but in, in a lot of other cases, it's not. I have a lot of other shaman friends um, who don't work with plant medicines and certainly don't serve them. Uh, but there are a lot of shamanic traditions that you take sacred oaths and adhere specifically to that way. Um, and, and serving certain medicines is, is definitely a part of that way. So yeah, I, I never worked with any for a, a very long time, but then the calls from the different spirits of the plants did enter in. And I'm so 
deeply grateful. I've had the honor to meet um, Grandmother Medicine Ayahuasca, Grandfather Medicine Peyote and Wachuma, also known as San Pedro, um, Kana, and different ones. And they have all been such incredible teachers for me. Amazing. And thank you for making that clear because I do think a lot of people do automatically assume that, you know, shamanism and plant medicine go hand in hand, but they don't necessarily have to. Now, one question we'd love to ask on this podcast is if you can have tea with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, wow. Goodness gracious. What a question. Oh, gosh. Um, huh. That's so intriguing. Cause like part of me just wanted to say Jesus, but then I'm like, I talk to Jesus and see Jesus every day. I have tea with him every single morning at my altar. Um, uh, let me see. Hang on. Um, stand by doing some feeling in here. I mean, fortunately, you know, yeah, with that dead or alive question, because of my connection to the unseen realms, um, I am so grateful that even with uh, ancestors who have passed or just other spiritual teachers on the other side, I, I am able to still connect with them. But yeah, I mean, the, the ones that seem to be at the most forefront are my grandma and grandpa. I love them so much. And my grandpa passed when I was in college. Um, but his wife, uh, is, is the grandma who I referenced earlier in our talk who just passed away a couple months ago. And she spoke to me, you know, I was holding, of course, a certain space for her during her transition to those other realms. And when she did cross over, I received a message uh, very clearly from her, which was all I needed to hear to know that she is good. And I even heard her chuckle and, it was so incredible, but um, it would be so nice. Oh, I'm gonna get emotional. Yeah, I would. I would love to be able to sit um, to see them together again because, yeah, they they were so instrumental in my life, and um, I haven't seen them together in a long time, and so I would like to do that. Oh well, that's. A beautiful answer, and I'm so sorry to hear about your loss, but I'm sure they're both still very much with you and very proud of all that you've become. Yes, I do know that so clearly. They definitely are. Thank you so much for joining us today, for opening up to us. I mean, this was one of my favorite conversations that we've had, and I've learned so much from chatting with you. For anyone out there who wants to learn more about your work or potentially get in touch with you, where are the best places to reach you at? And where will Animal Power be available for purchase or pre-purchase? Yes, uh, thanks for asking. Um, so you can get Animal Power book and card deck really truly anywhere books are sold, whether it's small independent bookstores or Target or Barnes & Noble or Amazon. Uh, you can find them there. I do recommend, though, if this work is really bubbling something up inside of your being, uh, to go to my website, which is allisoncharles.com, and I spell Allison, A-L-Y-S-O-N, allisoncharles.com backslash animal power, because when you order the book from my website, you will instantly get emailed a free video guided shamanic journey that I facilitate with my drum for you to meet your current power animal. So that obviously adds a really powerful layer to all of this work for you your, yourself to be able to experience a journey, to have this animal reveal, ask it questions, and then 
Obviously, when you go to Animal Power Book, it's a whole other experience because you get to look up this animal that revealed for you. And then um, just in general, you can find me on Instagram, which is at I am Allison Charles, and I'm most active there. I am I am on TikTok at as Shaman Allison Charles, and also my podcast. I, I some, sometimes forget to say that, but it's a huge part of my work. I have my own podcast called Ceremony Circle, and um, yeah, really beautiful spiritual guests. And at the end of every episode, what we uniquely do there is the uh, guest facilitates an actual healing practice or guided meditation or a ritual that the listeners get to experience if they want to. That's amazing. Well, I commend you for all the incredible work that you're doing. It's so evident how passionate you are about what that you do and how, how natural it is for you. And there's nothing that I love to see more than people who really stand by what it is that they're promoting. So I commend you for all that you're doing and keep up the great work and keep on inspiring us. Thank you both so much. I thank you uh, very deeply for being so honoring and respectful of my path and, and who I am and my work. And it was great to connect with you both today. For sure. And maybe we'll, we'll set up another interview once the book is launched. Maybe we'll do a deep dive into animal power and different animals down the road. And best of luck with the launch. I'm so excited to read it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Enjoy All the rest best. of your Sunday. Thanks for making time. Thanks for joining us on our episode with Allison Charles. Wow, that was a really moving conversation. Allison shared such genuine and powerful insight with us on how we can all connect deeper with our truer selves and pursue a life full of meaning. As always, if you have any questions, please email us at podcast at drinkdowntoearth.com or get in touch with us on our Instagram at drinkdte. In the meantime, stay healthy and stay hydrated. Cheers. Now it's time for you to go out there and do at least one small thing to better your health today. Always choose to make your life a healthier, happier, and a more down-to-earth place. Until next time. Cheers to good health.